0: Father, we thank you today for your word, and we thank you for every hungry heart today. Thank you that every mind is receptive, every heart is ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Say that with me. My My heart is ready to receive. So last week, we began talking as the Lord put it on my heart to share about the names of God I mean, no, his name is not just God. (laughs) He has many different names, um, compound names with the name Jehovah. His name is Jehovah. And so we began last week, and I'm going to read from Exodus 15 just to review just a little bit. Springboard into what God has for us today. Exodus 15, in verse 26 says, he said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. How many know that's a full-time job? (laughs) He says, I will put none or I will allow none of these diseases upon you which I have brought or which I have allowed upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. And I, I said this last week, there is a difference between the people of God and the world. There should be a marked difference between us and the world. You know, the Bible talks about that where, where uh, the people of God were at the land of Goshen, it was, it was like a, a line of demarcation. I mean, there's light on one side and there's darkness on the, on the enemy side. There's, there's healing over here, but there's sickness over here. There's blessing here, but there's curse here. Amen. Thank God for the, the blessing. And, and the curse is not greater than the blessing. Amen. People focus on the curse. You know, people focus on, well, you know, I was raised a certain way and I have a curse. When you're born again, the curse is broken. Right. When you're born again, the curse is defeated. That's right. yeah. <laughs> people think, well, I'm under a generational curse. Have you ever thought you might be under a generational blessing? Amen. I'm going to take the blessing today. And so God reveals himself. There's actually more names than this, but there's seven main covenant names he reveals himself as Jehovah. And as we began last week, we talked about Jehovah Rapha. And so one of the things we have to understand, though, that God is a covenant-keeping God. We don't really have covenant Nowadays, in the same sense they did then, even like years ago. You know, years ago, you could go up, you could shake a man's hand, and you could say, okay, we have a deal, and that was it. Nowadays, you you know, even if you do that, you have 70 pages of documents that have to prove, you know, because people get out of stuff, and, you know, back then, your word was your bond. But God is a covenant God, and that's why in the Bible Many times we'll see all through the Bible. It says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Bible talks about how he remembered his words that he spoke to Abraham. He remembered his covenant. Even when the people of God, if you've ever read the book of Judges, you know, what would happen? God would send a deliverer. They would repent. He'd send a deliverer. They would turn. But after things got good for a while, what happened? They turned away from God. They backslid. Their enemies came in and destroyed. And then they cried, oh, God, help us again. God would send an, um, a deliverer. He would raise that person up. And it was this vicious cycle that went on and on and on. But the Bible says he remembered his covenant. And so there are certain things that, that would happen. We see some people that would repent and they say, okay, it's not going to happen in your generation, but it will to your sons. And so God is a covenant-keeping God. And so as we began last week, we talked about Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer, the Lord, my physician. Do you have a great physician today? Amen. Amen. You know, all all too often, the doctors can look at you and say, there's no hope. The doctors can say, we've done everything we we can. Well, we shouldn't fall off our chair. You know, a lot of times they say there's nothing can be done. They should really say, there's nothing that we can do. Why? Because the truth known that there's a great physician and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Lord, my healer. So if you found Genesis 17, I still have to find it. And when Abram, who, who became Abraham, Abram was 90 years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him. And he began talking about his covenant. He says, Behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. You know it's important what you name things? He, he gave him a name change. It's important what you, you name things. You know, I'm reminded of a, it just, it just hit me just now. There was a, uh, a minister. He said that they, they had this one dog and there was a dog next door that just barked and barked and barked. And uh, anyway, she called him yappy-doodle. And so, you know, that dog's just yappy-doodle. And finally he said, he has no choice. Said, well, that's what you call him all the time. So he's just going to yap, yap, yap all the time. So it's important. When God, cha- you see many people, we see Jacob. We're going to look at Jacob in a minute. But Jacob, his name was supplanter, deceiver. I mean, you talking about a trickster? It was only till he met Laban that he he found a trickster even greater than him. You whatever you sow, you is what you're going to reap. Amen. And so, we see that um, that he had a, a an encounter with God. He wrestled with an angel, and his his name was changed to Jacob, prince. And, and it becomes Israel. Israel, prince, and so. Here, you know, whatever um, God wants to do, he's going to name it. He's going to change it. And so I want you to look back in Genesis 13. And as you do, in this first verse, he says, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. When he says this statement to him, I am the Almighty God, he's telling him, I am another covenant name, el Shaddai. El Shaddai. Shaddai. However you want to say it. Shaddai. (laughs) El Shaddai. Hallelujah. And so El Shaddai means the God who is more than enough. How many serve that same God I do? Genesis 13. So I want to share this morning about El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. Genesis 13. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had in lot with him to the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold. I like how the Bible says this because a lot of people say, well, you know, the Bible says rich. It just means spiritually rich. Well, he goes on to qualify what that that rich is in silver and in gold. I I don't think there's any spiritual silver or spiritual gold. And he went on his journeys from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai. Unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also which went with him. Now we see that, that Lot This is such a great principle of life that who you hang around is going to be a big influence in your life. Lot is here with, he goes with him, but it says the land was not able to bear them and that they might dwell together for their substance was great so they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Pezzarazite, Dwell then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, now this is a great man of God. Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and you, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If you'll take the left, then I'll go to the right. Or if you depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan and that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, is thou comest of the Notice, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, In look at this, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now your eyes and look for the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. So he's telling him, look at what I've given. Here's the vision. You have to begin to see what I've given you. For all the land which you see us, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. Why? Because he's the God that's more than enough. He's El Shaddai. I want you to understand that he's a too much God. Too much. Too many goats, too many cattle. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 23, I want to just read that real quick because I want you to, a lot of times people, they only hear this at a funeral. But it's not a psalm to die by, it's a psalm to live by. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I have plenty of want. No, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, I heard something here recently. I thought it was really profound. Brother Jesse Deplanus said this. He said, he said, don't just believe for your wants. He said, I mean, your needs. He said, ask God for what you want. Because then when you ask Him for what you want, It'll take care of your needs as well. I'll just throw that out for free. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, as a, as the shepherd Jesus says, I am the good shepherd in John 10. Thank God for the shepherd. What, what's the shepherd doing? He feeds and he protects. And so a lot of people have thought that the, the shepherd was there to beat him up, beat the, the sheep. No. He, he has that, that, that staff. He's got that hook. That's the, to, to, you know, sometimes sheep can be disobedient sheep. They, they do their own thing. And they get off in a, in between a rock and a hard place. They take that run it alongside their ribs, turn it up, and pull them up out of a hard place. But then they beat the the wolf on the head. It's not for beating the sheep. Amen. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is about half full. My cup runneth over. You know, Lord, don't you know when it's running over? Don't you know when it's full? Yeah, I believe the Lord just chuckles at that. Yeah, isn't it great? You know, <laughs> Lord, don't you know it's it's running over? Yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> My cup, it runs over. Think about when the Bible says in Psalm 133, it talks about how precious the ointment that went down Aaron's beard. It wasn't just a little dab that just covered his beard. It went down all the way to the skirts of his garment. I heard the story, I think it was Brother R.W. Schambach. He said um, he was praying for somebody, went to a hospital, and, and he, he needed some oil. He said, I'm going to pray for him. And he said he didn't just put like a little cross on their head, you know, and just do like this. He just turned the whole bottle up. <laughs> just on the hospital bed, just like soaked the whole bed. But the person got up healed. Amen. God knows when your cup's running over, but that's called abundance. Amen. If you just have about half a cup, you can barely sustain yourself. But when you have a full cup and it's running over, you can sustain a community. You can sustain the world. Hallelujah. You know, even as a minister and even as, as a, you might just say, well, I'm just a regular believer. But you're not just a regular believer. God's called you to do great things, and so you have to live in the overflow. To to minister to others, ministry is not just ministering out of a a half a cup. It should be an overflowing cup out of rich fellowship with the Father. And so if I have rich fellowship and I'm running over and bubbling over, then that's what's going to happen. You know, even the word prophesy means to bubble forth, to tumble forth. You can't prophesy when, when you're about thirty percent. You know, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of squeaky and and cranky, and I'm going to prophesy. No, you have to be full. You have to be overflowing, bubbling up. Amen. It's just going to tumble forth. It's going to. It should be something just like oozes. You know, it just it comes right out of you. Hallelujah. And so he's the God that's more than enough. If if you had the opportunity and how many know Abraham he's alive today. You know it's not really a quick uh, a trick question or anything but Abraham is alive today. He's just not here in the flesh. He's he was his body is buried but he's very much alive in heaven. And if you had the opportunity to go visit him today and you said, "Abraham, what kind of God did you know?" Did you know was it was he just a make, do, you know, just, a, you know, just about, you know, just kind of like, he'd say, oh, no, he he was an all-abundant God, all-sufficient God. Let me tell you what he did in my life. He would tell you that he's the all-sufficient one, the God who's more than enough. You know, if you said, well, you know, um, Abraham, you know, people in our day, they believe that that, um, that, that, you know, having abundance and prosperity is a curse. And they believe that that's of the devil. He'd say, what? <laughs> Why? Because the Bible says that he made him rich in silver and gold. So Abraham is the father of our faith. He's the father of our faith. And, and the Bible says that he blessed him. He knew this God who was more than enough. But I want to give you some other people. He's not the only one. How about his son Isaac? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Bible says that Isaac, the Abraham gave all he had unto Isaac. How many think that's a good start to life? Isaac started, and uh, in life, he had all this abundance, and he was rich, and the Lord gave him a wife. That's a good way to start life. He was 40 years old when he got married. You don't have to wait that long. Amen. (laughs) But, But he was blessed just like his father. And he knew the same God. He knew, he saw dad doing things certain ways. He knew how dad was blessed and he knew how to be prosperous as well. And then we see his son, Jacob, how God blessed him. You know, he appeared to him. Jacob started out, here he is, he's he's going out. He has nothing but a stone for a pillow. Look over in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Look in verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night. Because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows. And lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set up on the earth. And the top of it reached to heaven. And behold the angels of God descending or ascending and descending on it. And behold the Lord stood above it and said I am. That's his name also. How I many remember he, he appeared to, to Moses? I am that I am. He says, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land where you lie, to thee I will give it. Now, we're talking about a man who has nothing at this point. He says, I'm going to give you this land and to your seed. And your seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, you, you talk about a man who had nothing but a word. Right. But that's all you need. If you, had, you can have a word from God. Yeah. I love what uh, Brother Copeland said years ago. <laughs> one word from God will change your life forever. Yeah. You don't have to have a whole New Testament. You just have one word. Yeah. And notice what he said. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed, and behold, I am with you, and will keep you in the places where you go, and will bring you again into this land, for I will not leave you, until I have done that which I have spoken to you. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and said, how dreadful, or how awesome is this place? This is none other but the house of God, this is the gate of heaven. And we see that he built an altar there. But Jacob knew this El Shaddai, the God who was more than enough. How do you go from having nothing? You go from having nothing to being abundantly supplied. That's that's Jehovah. That's the God Almighty. That's Jehovah. That's El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. The Bible tells us about a man that we just mentioned named Moses. Now Moses was called of God and um, you know people say all kinds of things well you know God had him on the backside of the desert because he was on the backside of, his de- of the desert because of disobedience. It wasn't because God was just proving him out there. It wasn't because God in his plan he, he wanted him to be 40 years ahead of where he was. I mean, you know, it takes time sometimes when, when you know, if, if people are disobedient and rebellious. So what happens is Moses has in his heart that he's going to be this deliverer. So he takes it into his own hand and he goes and he kills this man when he sees his brothers fighting. The next day they go out and he, he starts to talk and say, hey you know, what's going on here? And he tries to break up this fight. He says, uh, are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian yesterday and buried him? And of course, he, he took off, you know, and Moses was a wanted man. He had his face up in the post office, and his picture up there, and here he was a wanted man on the backside of the desert. So he appears to him, though, at 80 years old. Moses, I'm sure, saw many fires been out there in the desert, and he looks, and he sees this one fire that he's it was different than any other. He sees this bush that's on fire, but it's not consumed. So just think, it's not burning up. It's, still, it's just like a, a light in this big fire. So he, he says he turns aside. That's significant. He turned aside. He stopped what he was doing. He turned aside to see what it was. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, Moses, take off your shoes for the place where you now stand is holy ground. And so what happens, though, is Moses goes along this journey he walks with the lord he he is sent to be the deliverer and how many remember one episode after the other after the other let my people go and it said that that pharaoh hardened his heart and then finally they cross the red sea and so you can just imagine though he had this experience with god you know when you have an experience of no one's experience with god is at the argument of someone with an opinion You can have an opinion all day and have knowledge, but when you have an experience with God, it's not even open for debate. (laughs) And so here he is. He has this experience with God. You can just imagine as he goes to Pharaoh. Well, you know, think about Paul. Paul said when he was talking to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, he said, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He began to, to talk about how they were traveling. Don't you think he told that story all the time? Hey, you know, I was going and, and, and the Lord knocked me off my donkey. And, and this voice spoke. And, of course, the, all the other men, they heard that voice, but he actually saw the Lord. He said, Jesus. Uh, um, or he said, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. And he goes on to talk about his ministry. So that was actually something that was dear to his heart. He always recounted that story. And I can imagine Moses as he goes to Pharaoh. Let my people go. Can you imagine going and he says that? And, you know, you can't really prove it. I mean, you can't disprove it either. But can you imagine, though, Pharaoh saw something in his eyes. I'm sure when he looked at him and he looked at Moses and he said, let my people go, he could see the flames flickering in his eyes. He's like, oh, oh. But he would then he would go to do it and then he would change his mind. Right. He would harden his heart. I'm not gonna do it. Until it was too late. Yeah. Pharaoh drowned in the in the depth of the sea. Amen. Miriam took her tambourine and they danced and they praised God and the horse and his rider thrown into the sea. And if you if you grew up in, in charismatic circles in the early 90s, you sang that song like we did. Horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We have to bring the tambourine back out. You can only have certain people play it, though. Who's ever been in a service? You know, tambourine's a pretty simple instrument. But you, it's just all when you have a tambourine offbeat, that's just a bad combination. And you always have two or three people. Oh, if they're going to bring theirs out, I'm going to bring mine out, too, you know. And then, then Brother Shofar brings his out, and then... Then you have all kinds of things. I did have a shofar one time, but I will admit that thing stunk so bad. I got rid of it. It just, <laughs> right, Wayne, don't they, they all stink like that. And they just, bad. I mean, it's like when you play a brass instrument and it just, it stinks, you know. You know, you're playing and, you know, spit goes through the horn, all that good stuff. Anyway, so Moses tells him, let my people go. I'm sure those flames flickered in his eyes and it was always embedded in his conscience as he he told Pharaoh these things. But the reason why is because of the God who's more than enough. Think about a man that that thought he was was done for. Two-thirds of his life is gone. He lived to be 120. But God was just getting started with him. Hallelujah. So if you're under 80 or if you're over 80, You're still available for God to use. The Bible tells us about David. How many remember David? The Bible says he took out a lion. Now, I don't know about you, but people don't just take out a lion. You know, they're not just a little cat, you know, like you have in your backyard. But the Bible says he grabbed a hold of this lion. I did hear the story years ago. There was a man. I can't remember if it was a lion or a cheetah. It sounds more like it would be a lion, because of the 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 you know how large the animal is and being able to carry a person. And so um, there was this man though that um, a lion had grabbed a hold of him, and he thought he was going to die. He said he didn't know what to do. He he reached as he's there pulls the lion, pulls his tongue, rips it out of his head and the thing bleeds to death. So always remember if a lion grabs a hold of you, just do that. <laughs> Our pastor tells the story that there was a man that, who was a minister. He was he was actually running from God and he said he was in the bush of Africa and a lion grabbed a hold of him. Carried him 100 yards. That'd be like like our little dog, you know, he's growing now. He's what, eight months old, but you'd be like him, who's like 50 something pounds, just picking up a little toy. Here, this lion picked up this man, and he said, What'd you do? He said, Well, as he was carrying me, I made a dedication to God. <laughs> How many think that's a good time? He said, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And he did. And the Lord, uh, I don't know what the total outcome, but he got out of that. Oh, actually, I think he reached in, I think he had a gun, and he reached in and you know on the run shoots shoots the lion, and he kills over. That's the God who's more than enough <laughs> hallelujah so here here David takes out this lion. The Bible says he took out a bear. I mean he's ever seen a bear, you know, like in person. I mean, I've seen them at the zoo. Thankfully, that's about as close as I get to them. And uh, anyway, you you see like a a polar bear. I saw like a polar bear in the the Atlanta Zoo one time. And those things are huge. And I don't care if I was 10 years old, it still was big. (laughs) But David grabbed a hold of it and, and slew this bear. And then what happened? He said, this giant shall be the same. Why? Because I took out the lion, I took out the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine talking about Goliath, he said, he's going to be just the same. He said, I'm going to take your head off. Yep. Why? Because of the God who's more than enough. Amen. The God who's more than enough. You know, David didn't go in his own name. He said, you know what? I read some books about my father Abraham. You know, I read, I read this and I read in the word. He said, no. He said, I come to you. He said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. He said, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord, my God. In the the name of the Lord of hosts. See, that's a totally different thing. Don't compare your giant with you. Compare your giant up to God. And I like what one minister said. He said, never run at your giant with your mouth shut. What did he do? He started running at him, telling him, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take your head off. He said, you know, Goliath said, Am I a dog that you come after me like this? He said, basically, yes. But because the God who's more than enough. I want you to look at this. We turn to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. You know the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we know that he's the same God that he was in the Old Testament. He delivers today. Daniel 3, and let's look in verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. So what happened is Nebuchadnezzar, this king, he had set up this image that was 92 feet tall. And I don't know about you, but that's a pretty tall image. That's a big, big statue. And he says, you know, when you hear the sound of the music, do you know that music call, is a call to worship? If it's secular, worship, secular music, it's a call to worship something. It's a call to worship some kind of life or lifestyle or, or, or having a good time or you know, some, something stupid many times. But it's a worship. Same thing with the house of God. Our music should be about worship. It should lead us to worship. It should lead us, when we hear God, there's godly music that we hear that leads us to him, to his presence. And so they said, when you hear the sound of this, we're going to just tell you what's going to happen. You're going to fall down and worship this golden image. And if not, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be thrown in a fiery furnace. And so these people would fall down, but there was three that didn't. And it says, Nebuchadnezzar spake in verse 14, it said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not you serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I made well. He's saying, okay, it'll be well with you if you do all this. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour to the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now, this is where he really gets in trouble. (laughs) And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He did. (laughs) Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Now, we see that... We see that in the book of Philippians about do not be careful. Do not have any anxiety about anything. So what's he saying? King, we're not worried about this to answer you concerning this. If it be so. Now what what does he mean, if it be so? If it be so about this decree, if it be so that you're going to throw us in. Look what he says. Our God... Whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will say, He will. Yes. He will deliver us out of Thy hand, O King. So that was their faith. Their faith was, He, He, He's going to. Th- if you throw us in, fine. Our God, who's able, He will deliver us from the fiery furnace. Yes. But if not, now what do most people say when they read that? But if not. They think, but if not, if, but if God doesn't deliver us, then, then uh, you know, we're not going to serve your idols. You know, wouldn't that be dumb? Because if you're thrown in the, in the fiery furnace, there's, you wouldn't need to say that because you'd be burned up. Look what he said here. If it be so, verse 17, if what be so? If you throw us in, our God will deliver us. But if not, but if you don't throw us in, be it known unto you, O king, we will not serve your gods. So if you throw us in, God's going to deliver us. But if you don't throw us in, we're not going to bow down in your dumb idols, he said. And like I said, if, if he threw you in, there's no need to say that because you'd be a crispy critter. He said, our, he said we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you've set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He tells them, heat it up, boys, seven times hotter. And then look in verse 22. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. Now, this is an interesting word of the king, James, astonied. They were astonished and rose up in haste and spake unto his counselors. Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, I've always been intrigued by that verse because how did he know he looked like the Son of God? He must have had some dealings. The pre-incarnate Christ. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace, uh, called him forth, and it says, the prince's governor's And captains of the king's counselor being gathered together, saw these men. Nebuchadnezzar, verse 28, said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made a dunghill because there is no God that can deliver after this sort. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's the God that's more than enough. Hallelujah. And so God is able to deliver you out of any fiery furnace. Who feels like they're in a furnace today? You know, it's just like this. He took them through the Red Sea. He took them through the Red Sea, not for them, but for their enemies. Why? Because the Bible says that once they crossed that, that the, the sea, which it was actually congealed water, it was like frozen on both sides. They walked through and then that, that water came back into its own and they tried to cross and it said that they were whole, the whole army was drowned. You know, someone in Bible school, this theologian thought he had, you know, discovered that, well, you know, they, they looked at that place and, and figured out that it was only four inches deep right there. So that wasn't a big miracle. And so he said, well, Mr. Theologian, that's pretty amazing because the Lord God drowned the whole Egyptian army in four inches of water. So that's an even greater miracle. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the Bible tells us about Daniel in the lion's den. What happened there? They also made a decree. It said, you know, there, there for 30 days, nothing shall be except asked of the king. There shall be no prayers to any god you know what the Bible said? It said that Daniel opened his doors just like he did a He wasn't trying to make a show. Why? Because he, was, he did that all the time. He didn't say, well, bless God, we're just going to defy them. He just said, okay, I'm going to do what I always do. I pray every day. I'm going to do what I always do. Praise God. Worship him. And the Bible says they throw him in the midst. They're going to throw him in the midst of a den of lions. And so they do. And the Bible, of course, that king, he was all worried about it and, you know, sweaty palms. And the next day he goes and he says, is your God able to deliver you? Did he deliver you? He said, don't worry about it. He said, I'm okay because there was no, he said, because innocency was found in me. See, we see that one of the things that Daniel had, he had an innocent spirit And the Bible talked about how he had a... Look at um, the first chapter here. The Bible says in in Daniel 1 verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. And we see how there's many different times he could have got in trouble, but he had his faith in God and God delivered him. Why? Because he's the God that's more than enough. I mean, just, just enough would be you you know, you fighting the lions and you come out on the other side, but you're all scratched up and you almost died. I mean, that's, and one thing we have to realize is every man has a different calling. Every man has a different anointing. Now, if that had been Samson, there'd have been fur everywhere. Why? Well, because he would have tore them apart. Daniel had an anointing that his, his anointing, he was going to pray and trust God. hallelujah over in the New Testament the Bible tells us about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16 you don't have to turn there but verse 25 says this and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them they were Pentecostal they prayed and sang right out loud amen and you know in all probability, they had just got there like an hour or two before there. It wasn't like they were there for weeks and weeks and then finally, you know, they started praying and, and praising God. But the Bible says at midnight, the darkest time of the day, just like when trials come, the darkest time, he says they begin to, to pray and to sing praises unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 about the church. How many remember they were always getting in trouble? Especially with the religious leaders. The religious leaders came up and said, you know, don't talk in this name anymore. Don't speak in this name of Jesus anymore. And they said, we have to obey God and not man. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, it says that they went into their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto the people, and they lifted up their voice and one accord and said, Lord, you are God, which has made the sea and the earth and all the things within. And they go on and magnify God. And they say this, half a verse. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Then they get back to God. And grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak forth your word. So the same thing with Daniel. Daniel I was going to say this a couple moments ago. God didn't just deliver him from the fiery furnace or or the the den of lions. He delivered him from the lions. He didn't just deliver him, the the three Hebrew children, you know, from the fiery furnace. He delivered them from the fire in the furnace. So even if you feel the, the lion's breath, even if you feel the the heat on your back, the Bible says they came out not even a hair singed. I mean, who's ever just made a fire and you just get a little bit too close, or or, or you know, bottle rockets, or I mean, I've I've got hit by firecrackers and I've had a, I mean, I know it's serious stuff. I've had one go off in my hand one time, so I'm thankful that that everything is intact. You know, I, I've done those kind of things. You know. I've well, you, when you have brothers, you know, you do things like that. And, and uh, I mean, I've got shot by bottle rockets, and, you know, it doesn't feel good when it hits your leg and stuff like that. But thank God that, you know, I have so many testimonies of how the Lord's protected me through the years, the God who's more than enough. I mean, thankfully, as a kid, I didn't climb and fall out of trees. We were talking this morning about uh, broken bones and stuff, and we were, uh, Dylan and I were talking about breaking collarbones and things like that. And my son, we were going to church one time and we were, we were, we were really excited because especially in Tampa, you have a lot of traffic and, you know, we were on time and which every person should be on time. And, <laughs> but we were actually really happy because we were early and my son, uh, Liam, he jumped off of a couch and, uh. Well, he was up. did he have something on top of the couch? I think he had like a something on top of the couch. Then he jumped off. And then he came walking to us, and his arm was just dangling. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> so we, we ended up going to the hospital, and uh, then he had surgery on it. And uh, Logan has broken the same arm a couple times, I think. And so thank God that the Lord protects us, even in the midst of all our and, and you know, you know, like when the Lord protected us, we were in a school bus that flipped three times and just got out un, unscathed. That's the mercy of Almighty God. I remember my glasses got knocked off in the ditch, and somebody said, "Oh, will are these yours?" "Oh yeah, thanks," and just put them on when they f- fit perfectly. Amen. Because the Lord knows I needed them because I couldn't see a thing. You know. hallelujah and i know you have the same testimony but i was thinking just a a couple of other instances of the god who's more than enough how many remember paul and silas on a board a ship paul says hey i don't feel good about this trip i don't think you should take this and it says they listened to the the guy that was steering the ship more than they listened to Paul. And it said that everything looked really nicely. But then when they got out there, the Bible says, this big storm came up. And it says that they were there for all these days. For 14 days, they fasted. Now, I'm sure there wasn't a fast they called because they wanted to get close to God. <laughs> they, they were probably scared more than anything, and didn't have, you know, they kept unloading some of the cargo. But Paul, the Bible says, he, he, he stand up one day and says, be of good cheer. For I have seen, he, he talked about this angel that appeared to him. He says, Paul, be of good cheer. And all the people shall be saved, but they have to stay with you. So he said, you know, you have to stay with me. And um, don't, don't just take your life in your hand. And he said, be of good cheer for the God whose I am and whom I serve. Boy, I tell you what, they, sh- they should have been so happy that they had a preacher on board that ship. You know, people should be so glad that you obeyed God, your family members. And that's actually the best thing you can do for your family is obey God. Even at the time if they think you're crazy. They'll come back to you years later and say, boy, you did the right thing. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. I know even when I went to Bible school, I I was planning to go to a certain university. And uh, I had to tell this one person, say, no, I'm not going. And that's probably the last time I've talked to that individual. 30 years ago. I remember even my mom, she she understood. And we, we, we talked about it. But my, my brothers and my dad, you know, they probably thought, what's well, got into this boy? And, um, you know, you, you have these scholarships to go to this university. But I knew what was in my heart. I knew what God was telling me to do. And then it was some time later, you could see how the Lord impacted them, though, from that. And they saw what, what the, the school I went to, Raymond Bible Training Center, and it made an impact on them. Thank God. But Paul and Silas, the God who was more than enough, saved their life. We see that all throughout history, we see all throughout church history, those that that served the God who was more than enough. You know, if if you study church history, there were people that were burned at the, the stake And the story tells us there was one individual, they would would be burning at the stake, and they say, if his grace is sufficient, they lift a finger, and they'd raise two. Talk about burning to death At at the stake. And they say, if his grace is sufficient, raise a finger. And then, why? Because of the God who's more than enough. I'm not saying you're going to burn at the stake. I'm not saying you're going to be a martyr. But you may be. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. This, a lot of people are thinking about dying for him. It's a lot harder to find people that want to live for him. A lot of people are willing to die for him, but they're not willing to live for him. Amen. You can say all day, well, you know, Lord, I'll die for you. But it's living for him. That counts even now. But, but just like they said, talking about when Nebuchadnezzar said they yielded their bodies, that's what you have to do. You have to yield your, your body and your will. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll do what you want me to do, and I'll be what you want me to be. Not my will, but thine be done. And why is that so important? Because this life is so short. How many know this life is short? Who's older than 10 that knows that this life is short? (laughs) I mean, you just think back 20 years ago. Add 20 years from now. Where does that put you? Don't say it. (laughs) But that's why we have to be about the Father's business. Only doing the will of God for our life. Can you say amen? Say this. Say this. I serve the God who's more than enough. The Lord told Paul, Paul, by grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because Paul encountered these, wherever Paul went, there was a demon spirit following him. (laughs) Yeah, we felt that too. You know, you feel like there's, there's someone assigned to you. And so here's what happened. The Bible, how many remember? Let me just read this for a minute because it'll help you. The Bible talks about how, well, let me find the passage first 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12 the Bible tells us verse 7 unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure and so here this spirit followed Paul around to stir up trouble wherever he went there was revival or riot and actually both many times and so this spirit is there. The actual, the word is angelos. People have taken that and they said, you know, a thorn in the flesh. We see all in the old covenant, the Bible talks about the Egyptians being a thorn in the flesh and thorn in your sides. If you don't do this, you don't drive them out, they're going to be a thorn in your side. So people have taken this in theologians that are mixed up. They They've said, well, this was some eye disease he had and, and, He had this stuff running out of his eyes. And that's why Paul even said, you see how large a letter I wrote unto you. Like the letter was this big, you know. (laughs) Like the words were this big because my, you know, I had this eye disease. But no, what is he talking about? He's talking about a thorn in the flesh. He's talking about a personality, a demon spirit that always was causing trouble. But here's what Paul said. I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. I guess Paul forgot his own revelation that he had. Why? Because he even said, the Bible says, resist the devil, he will flee from you. He talks about the authority of the believer in Ephesians. But he says, I prayed and said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. But see, don't look at that and say, His grace is sufficient so I can just bear it. His grace is sufficient so you can overcome it. His grace is sufficient so you can go to the other side. Can you say amen? His grace is sufficient so I can win. With God, it's not like, well, you win a few, you lose a few. No, we win them all. We go to the other side. We triumph and then we make the devil lead it for the next 40 years. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God who's more than enough. El Shaddai. Every head bow, every eye closed. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God who's more than enough. The God of plenty, the God of breakthrough, the God of blessing, the God of protection. All those things are wrapped up in being more than enough. Not just enough. Lord, even as we see the children of Israel, they went from the wilderness of not enough. Or they were in Egypt, not enough. Then when the wilderness was Just enough. But you wanted them to go to Canaan land, which was more than enough. Thank you that every person in here, Lord, lives in the promised land of blessing.
1: I just want to encourage you. As I was sitting there, and I was reading when I was following on with Pastor Will, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, He he said to him, whom the Lord delivered him because he trusted in him. He had a firm reliability on the God who's more than enough. He trusted him. And I think that sometimes we don't understand that, what trust really is. That we're not confident enough that God can do it, that He is the deliverer, and so I just want to encourage you. If you read that passage and you go on, Nebuchadnezzar, he said, he said, you know, uh, and those who don't agree with this and who come against what 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 Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach and Abednego, what what when if you come against that and you speak against that, and you're not confident, and you don't trust like them, you know what happens to you? Your house becomes like a dunghill, and you'll be cut into pieces. <laughs> so there's really no alternative. There, There is an alternative of trusting in him, but you don't want that kind of trust. Amen? <laughs> so God delivers those who trust and who have a firmness who are confident who say yes God will provide yes God will bring me through this yes he is the one he's gonna do it he's gonna cause me to triumph in every situation amen and so you just I I just want to encourage you today that God is the deliverer he is the deliverer. How many of you can say with an uplifted hand, I've been delivered? I've been, de- every single person in here should have their hands raised up and say, yes, God has delivered me out of something. Amen. And it's just the beginning. It is just the beginning. So I don't care what you're facing. You know what has helped me in my walk with God? This was shared with me when I went to Bible school way back, way back when. I don't know, you to lose count now. Okay, thank you. Uh, As I say, I heard this, Pastor Ronnie said this way back when. And he said, I want you to tell the Lord. I trust you with my life. And that has always stuck to me. So right now I'm going to say the same to you. I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to talk to the Lord And I want you to say that, Lord, I trust you with my life. And I want you to talk to the Lord right now. But whatever that is, whatever that situation is, I want you to tell him you trust him. Say, I trust you with this. I trust you with that. I trust you with this, whatever it is. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want you to praise him. Give him thanks right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We just thank you and we praise you, God, for the answer, Lord. We praise you and thank you, Lord, in advance of everything that you're going to do and how you're going to come through for us. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Lord, I just I just pray. Lord, that this is the best week that people have. That this is the best week, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for things that move this week. Move, move, move out of their way. And things that are hindrances that they just move out of the way in Jesus' name. I thank you, God. Thank you, God, for making the path, making their path um, moving moving things out of the way so that they don't trip up on anything lord i thank you lord that it's a smooth path and that they'll see clearly where they're walking this week and lord that they'll just they'll just go straight to that thing lord that that and they're on their way they're on the way to the promise they're on the way to the victory they're on the way to that thing that you spoke in their heart a long time ago, and even even things that you spoke recently, Lord, I thank you, Father God, that this is the week, Lord, that things move out of their way, Lord. Even we celebrate even the small victories, Father, and so, Lord, I just thank you that you just bless them this week, Lord, as they go, Lord, just uh, put a, a a fire in their step, Lord, knowing that they can be confident in you and that they can trust you this week, Lord, and every week, Lord, and that we see the hand of God moving in their life, Lord. And so we just thank you for it. And we just, we praise you, Lord. We put, I just pray you put a hedge of protection around every single person here in this place. Lord, that no weapon formed against him shall prosper, Lord. That every tongue that rises against him in judgment, you will prove it to be wrong. We condemn those words. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Lord, it belongs to them. I thank you, Father God, that you just protect them. You keep them safe from all harm and all evil this week Lord and and Lord that you that you do wonderful things you're a mighty God you are a wonderful God Lord we just praise you and we thank you Lord for everything that you're going to do this week in Jesus name amen amen well